Hello, everybody. This week, I interviewed the amazing Mitski. She's a singer-songwriter who truly occupies her own space, and she exudes such force and yet this vulnerability at the same time. This conversation was so special to both of us, and we're really excited that it's recorded for you to hear, too. So I just want to get straight to the good stuff and kick it right off with Mitski, but stick around till the end when I'll share some of my favorite parts with you um, from this conversation and some little takeaways for us to reflect on. So let's go. Let's just dive straight in so that I don't get sidetracked. Mitski, it's amazing to have you um, here, here for a chat. Um, you know I'm a huge admirer. Um, I found a home in your work. That's the best way to put it. I found an artist that, you know, mirrored so many of the feelings that I had about um, feeling on the outside at times, feeling like I didn't fit in a box. Um, your eloquence as a lyricist, um, your, you know, your risk-taking as a producer, it's all been endlessly inspiring to me. So thank you so much for, for being on my podcast today. <laughs> oh my goodness. What an intro. I mean, <laughs> thank you. I, I right back at you, you know, I, you as well. Yeah. How did we first meet? I, I always like to start with my guests thinking about the moment that our paths um, sort of intersected. So I was like, I was a student and I was listening to your work, you know, I was, oh, wow. yeah, it's just, and, and I could tell right from the start, you were just doing something different, but it was still pop, you know, but it was really, it, I could tell, I mean, not to be presumptuous, but I felt like I could tell you loved music. You were, you were in it for the music and I, and I loved that. And the songs were so good. And right from the start, I just was a big fan. And so it was, it was great to get to actually meet you and and put a put a person to the to the songs. <laughs> and we did really connect, you know, from the from the get go. I, I came backstage at Mitski's show. Um, I came to see her perform in New York, and we just kind of hit it off. And then I, I remember inviting you over to my house a few days later to do some songwriting, and we we ended up connecting over all kinds of things, Japanese animation, and working a little bit on some music. And what I was so blown away by was your kind of. Um, your devotion to the craft, also your your discipline, which is a word that has been used often to describe the way you write. Um, and you picked up on this, that we're, we're quite different kinds of writers. I was very more is more. Um, how can we kind of push as many ideas into this to make sure we're understood with what we're saying? And your kind of sense of calm um, about writing, or maybe the calm's not the word because it's not like it seemed easy for you. But it did seem like... Um, it's stoic. <laughs> yeah, that's a good word for it, actually. Yeah, stoicism for it. That was so um, beautiful for me to watch and something I, I really um, admired. And actually, whether you know it or not, I took so much away from that day we spent together. Just the oh, little good. things. I really did. Yeah, the, just the, the, the economics of your writing, the kind of um, importance of every word and the way that your melody was, uh, or rather... I don't know, it's chicken or egg. I don't know whether it's the melody or the lyric, but they were somewhat slaves to one another. One, They didn't exist without the other. They were in a kind of symbiotic relationship. Uh, whereas I would approach, you know, rhythm first, find a melody that fits, and honestly get to the lyric at the very end. Um, so this was such a beautiful process to watch someone who had such respect for the written word and then um, kind of, you know, made made 
everything conform somewhat to what that was saying. Does that make sense? That's you. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly how I approach it because I, I tend to want the melody to follow the natural rhythm of the language. Um, I I no shade, but an, <laughs> a lyric that I really hate or just a lyric and melody combination that I really hate and no shade to the people who wrote it, but um, is um, uh, Maroon 5. Um, there it, It's called Animals or something. It goes, animals, 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 moles. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> animals, moles? <laughs> Go back, go home, go, try again. Yeah, so. No, I think this kind of segues into something really nicely that I, that I want to touch on today, which is this idea of transcendence. I, I think you and I are similar in that we're hunting for those moments of euphoria or catharsis. The moment things all kind of come together. Yep. It's like heavenly. Truly, yeah. The clouds part, you know, the clouds part. And it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And in contrast to that, when a lyrical melody kind of doesn't quite mm -hmm. get there, it doesn't reach for that moment. I don't know if you're like me, but there's kind of a violence to yeah. it. <laughs> you know, there's it's something, something offensive. I don't know. And maybe it's just like, oh, you could have just, you were almost there. You could have just like walked a few more steps and gotten to the top of the mountain. But you you like saw the top of the mountain and you went, well, and then turned around. <laughs> 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 nope. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, look, I, I titled this podcast Playing With Fire, and I'm really curious what comes up for you when I say that. Because I look at you, and I see you playing with a lot of lines and boundaries. I see you a lot of play and a lot of fire, a lot of that life force. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when you say like playing with lines and boundaries, I think that's what music is all about. I think music is transgressive. I think it's one of the few transgressive art forms. And maybe I'm biased because I love music, but it's one of those art forms where it's immaterial. Um, and um, it's not like you as an audience are looking at a material thing. You are experiencing it. You're not being told what the feeling is. You are feeling it. You know, it, it, it crosses the boundary between, I don't know, subject and object. And it just comes in and it is you. And I don't, I haven't really experienced that to, to the extreme uh, extent that I have with music in any other art form and maybe that just makes me a musician I don't know but it's just it's just it takes you and it becomes you and it there there are no borders when it's really really good it's just you I think it's it's the feeling and and I get this when I perform too it's this feeling of becoming something more than yourself it's joining something greater than you and I'm re always hunting that with me and I think I get that with music and that's why I'm always making music and 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 listening to music and trying to get at it because when you really when it happens it's like oh there is there is something more than me I'm part of something bigger you know and it's that's that's the thing that's the I think that's the playing with fire <laughs> I do believe in something more and something greater and I do believe I do believe in performance and in music and I it's the one it's I guess it's my church I go on stage and it's this it's this moment where I get to um 
like sing praise to whoever gave me this great gift of of getting to sing, you know, it's this miracle every time and getting to perform and sometimes getting to connect with the strangers in front of you and feeling like, oh, maybe, maybe I, I'm not so different. Maybe I'm part of this, this group of people. Maybe I'm, we're all the same, you know, it's just, and it's so it, like, I, I'm not even religious, but before a set, I, you know, pray to whoever there is out there. Or, or whatever there is out there. And, and, and I don't even pray asking for anything. I just say, thank you. You know, this is, this show is dedicated to you, whoever you are. Thank you so much for letting me do this. And then I go on stage and sometimes it's, it's utter crap. Sometimes, sometimes the, the greater thing doesn't come down and visit me. And sometimes it does, but it's this, I think what makes it especially beautiful is that it's not up to me. I just go on stage and I just relinquish power. And that's, that's the real beauty in it, I think. Well, it's, it's kind of like treating the stage a little like an altar. And, and from a young age, I've always knew and respected that the stage was that. When I used to go to a, a, a bar, right, and see a band get on stage and kind of like just just thr- sling on their guitars, not say a word to the audience, play b- a bunch of like very boring uh, music and then just sort of eye roll and walk off, I would get very offended. I, I would find my, uh, right, you know, and it's not that I didn't even enjoy the music, it's that I did not feel the respect from those people to stand on that spe- stage and request the attention of people, which is a highly, um, you know, it, that's a sought-after thing. That's that's something to be taken with care and responsibility. And I think, you know, my respect for the stage came even before my love of music. It was, and maybe, I don't know, I liked theater. I enjoyed the, the attentive um, posture that you could have from people. And I've, I haven't read in an interview that, that you one of the reasons you're so economic with your work is that you actually feel, you know, you don't have the right to people's time and you're very lucky that they're giving you three minutes and you like to keep them there because, you know, that, that, that's a, um, a valuable thing to ask of someone is their time. And I thought that was so cool. And, and you've just always struck me as an artist so devoted. Um, and thank you for sharing with me your ritual before, um, before shows because I have a similar one myself. And um so, like, I, don't, I can't imagine kind of stepping out in front of a crowd without having some kind of ritual um, or, or prayer time to just set the, set the stage, so to speak, for, for something bigger to, to be invited um, and to create. It's like, you know, Khalil Gibran. Are, are you familiar with, with this, this author, Mitski? He, he wrote the oh, no. He wrote The Prophet. Do you know that book? Well, I'll send it to you oh, if you you know that was, book. No, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I don't remember reading it, but I remember having it being recommended to me. So yes, please go ahead. So he he had an exhibition, and I was living in Australia at the time, and it was his artworks up on the walls, and there was just like some journal scribblings down the bottom of each sketch that he had done, and one of the the captions to the self portrait said, "My role as an artist." is to arrange the elements to make way for God. Oh, I love that. That brings tears to my eyes. That's beautiful. I've never forgotten it. And I just can't help but think about that when you describe the way you approach both music and the stage. Is It is not our job to 
be God or to heal or resurrect or, or kind of create <laughs> anything that we can't possibly do as humans. But what if we were to simply just arrange the elements, set up the soil for, for something to grow or, or lay the paintbrush on the page in a way that creates a, um, yeah, a vessel or, a, or grooves in the, in the, in the land for, for, for the water to flow? I don't know. It's just stuck with me ever since. Wow, you you can't see me, but I'm like clutching my chest right now. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Oh my I gosh, I need to read that. The prophet. Yeah, it's really good. Um, what what in your early life led you to perhaps believe or or um, open up space for there being something more? Was it music completely, or can you think of other things in your life that perhaps led you toward that feeling or toward that? desire to tap into that? I'm sure it's many things. Um, I do, before music, I think it was movies and just sitting there and entering a dream space, entering a different space and being put in a different position and maybe being allowed to dream in a dark room with other people for a few, you know, a few hours. Um, and then I think the in, like the doorway for me in terms of music was honestly simply that um, I found out I could sing and it's, it's a very kind of selfish way in, but I think what it is, is at the time I didn't feel like I had any worth, worth or value, or I didn't know what I could do. And then I would sing and then someone would look at me and go, Oh, you're good. And it gave me this feeling of, Oh, maybe this is the thing that will make me valuable or at least give me, um, permission to keep existing in this world because I just kept feeling like why am I here why am I here and then suddenly I could sing and then I could write music and I thought oh this is it this is what I can contribute you know of the many things I think everyone contributes something everyone has a gift and they I think they call it a gift because it's something you give right everyone has something to offer and I found the thing I could offer and then suddenly my my life had hope or I had I had purpose and that was my way in and I just maybe my gratitude comes from that because it gave me a purpose to keep existing and stand up and say this is why I'm here and I'm allowed to be here I think that's what it was for me that's super powerful I mean it also makes me think of belonging right mm -hmm. that seems to be very central to <clears throat> many of the themes in your work Well, when you say belonging I think um, in terms of finding it in my music, I think um, the the trick I found, <laughs> I don't want to call it a trick because it's not a trick. It's not a magic trick. Or maybe it is. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. Maybe it is a magic trick. But um, I think the trick is to um, make the assumption that you are the same as everybody else and everyone is the same as you we're all made up the same, uh, made of the same things, and so if you just remain truthful to your own experience and truthful to how you felt, then rest assured there will be somebody else who felt exactly that way and experienced that maybe through different circumstances, but experienced the same feeling, and. Be because you're not special <laughs> you what you what you have felt if you're true to it and you express it as accurately as possible 
then there is going to be somebody else who belongs within that feeling as well because you're we're all the same god that's sort of the opposite of what i've been told by so many record labels or um, managers in the past just this sort of sense that like <clears throat> the deeper or more specific you go into your experience, the more isolating you may actually be to the masses. So find mm. a message that actually encompasses the sort of universal, you know, and put it into a language that will, will connect you to the people by being somewhat diluted in a way to just kind of like sort of encompass the, the mainstream experience. But isn't mm. that funny that you're so right that actually the more granular you get, down to the color of underwear that you wore that that actually for for one reason or another it seems to grab at the heartstrings even more because we do find so much of our lives take place in the mundanity and take place in the ordinary and I think sometimes that's a I mean there's a place for it but it seems like that's a mistake at times to try to make music meet the kind of common denominator of experience rather than someone just really fully owning where they are mm-hmm. it takes a lot of trust though huh like to trust that well, there's someone out there that's like gonna feel you on that <laughs> yeah i think it's just trusting that you yourself are ordinary <laughs> and you Ooh. yourself are not you know different um Ooh. and that is that also takes a lot of trust to to believe because i think we all tend to believe that we are solitary and different um, and it takes a lot of trust mm. to be like, no, I'm the same. But to to what you were saying about the you know labels and business people who don't know anything, in my opinion, um, suggesting to go for the general as opposed to the specific. Listen, I have loved super general pop music just like anybody right. else. But I, I thought of, like, for example, the song Sitting on the Dock of a Bay. I have never sat on a dock of a bay. <laughs> I'm not sure I that, know what a dock is, really. We, we right. call it something different in New Zealand, yeah. <laughs> but that is still, like, you still relate to it. Of course Sometimes you do. it's not even about the specific narrative. It's about the feeling that what that came out of that specific narrative that we can relate to. That's beautiful. One thing that I have always been interested in as a musician and again why I find such a home in your work is this kind of dance which makes me think of playing with fire between major and minor sweet Mm. and sour you know the the contrast and the the courage to exist in between those two things it's what makes me feel more seen um, as an artist when there's a, a courage in, in other musicians to do that. When did your fascination with that start? Because for me, it was it was pretty young. But knowing that you did consume a lot of, you know, yeah, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, NSYNC, all of the stuff I listened to. When did you become more interested in like, hey, I want to take a little bit of this, but also play with a little bit of this darkness. It, actually, it's one of the things that leads me to transcendence through your work. What is it about someone pushing into the dark places and hovering there a bit that actually leads us to have a greater resolve when it finally comes? D- does this make sense? Ooh, that's a good question. In my case, I it wasn't deliberate at first. It was, you know, I was listening to, you know, Britney Spears, Mariah Carey, all these, you know, big pop, pop icons of the 90s and early 2000s. And and um, I would try to do what they were doing, but it just wouldn't work. 
it's it was just, it's the same with like you know you would get like as a I don't know a 13 year old I don't know about you but I would get into certain you know styles like in terms of clothing and I would try to mimic I would try to mimic what's in like the teen magazines but I just couldn't seem to find the same things at the stores that I was going to and it just whenever I would try to put it together it just would it would look awkward it wouldn't look right it wouldn't look put together and it's the equivalent with music where it's just like I really was trying but I couldn't seem to get at the thing that seems so easy to like I don't know the mainstream or the pop world um and then at a certain point, I just accepted that I was doing something different and went with it. Um, and so I wish it was as clever as me being deliberate, but it was just more like me realizing and accepting that I was doing something and just going with it. You know what? I love that. I feel like that's the awkwardness <laughs> of youth, isn't it? It's like trying everything on and then kind of getting to a point where you're like, look, I want to be that, but I'm just not that. And I'm going to yeah. kind of <laughs> fall into the place where I actually kind of shine most, which is probably dancing in between these 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 hovering spaces and making making a space for other people to exist there too which is very very needed well what i want to ask you when did you feel like you started to get interested in that that space well i think my interest in the wrong note started mm. um in my teen years i was it, it always probably starts with influences. I mean, I had a really big prog rock phase of like listening to bands like the Mars Volta and a lot of like psychedelic fusion stuff that would kind of have these really, um, you know, brash and, and obnoxious, truly, truly obnoxious <laughs> rhythms, you know, changing time signatures. And I loved what it activated in me because there was an element of surprise, an element of not seeing what was around the corner. And that chaos probably more mirrored my, my life than a lot of the pop music did, even though I, I celebrated so much of that and loved what it what it did and what it provided. It was a bit of a fantasy, you know? Uh, there was a lot of chaos in my own mind growing up and a lot of confusion, and I think some of that music that had a little more um, aggression and um, chaos, it, it, it spoke to something in me. And I, I was frustrated, Mitski, with, with the pretty sweet folky singer songwriter on her guitar which was very much my my um you know niche when I was growing up I was a singer songwriter young and sweet and I just became so frustrated by that mold and so restricted mm -hmm. by it and 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 kind of felt like where are the the women singing like men and and being masculine and showing our our um growls and our 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 fierceness and you know um of course stumbling upon Bjork and you know, Jeff Buckley, who I know was a big artist for you too, started mm. to um, open things up for me. And I come back to the wrong note. Whenever an, a moment would hit that I didn't understand, I would lean in. And that's mm. what I liked. I was like, ooh, what happens if you can get an audience to lean in with you? It excites me to think about engaging the mind and the soul of people and um, having them be kind of, um, there's a word actually, it's a biblical word that I, word that I want to use right now. It's called, yes, bamboozled. <laughs> Is that biblical? <laughs> <laughs> it, 
it's biblical. Yeah, it's something. You know what? The the great mystics of every religion that you know that we've got the the Zen Buddhists, the Christian mystics, the Kabbalah of Judaism. They talk about <clears throat> some of the scriptures, the ancient you know sacred texts, being written in a way that are sometimes so fantastical or at times unbelievable sometimes in an effort to bamboozle the reader so that they mm. would give up the mind and start reading with the heart. Oh, you know, I'm getting excited just listening to you talk. This is like very, I love this. <laughs> this is I, what you bring you... out of me though, yeah. <laughs> This is inspired by you. I mean, you're making me remember references from my past, but how cool is that? Like leading the listener, or in this case, the reader, to abandon the faculties of their mind. Yes, yes. <laughs> and that way you kind of sort of make them enter a sort of dream logic that's Ooh. separate from, you know, reality. But truly, you were talking about chaos. Chaos is so exciting and so intoxicating, isn't it? Uh, it I think is. yeah. I don't, I'm trying to get at what it is, but I think what it is is, is that it... it it pulls you or it reminds you of something primordial inside of you, something that's like beneath, oh, wow. you know, beneath the reality of day to day. There's I think we all have something that sort of like original chaos in us oh. that we kind of like to be reminded of or connected to sometimes. This leads me to my next topic, which is which is dance and movement. Mm. Now. I haven't seen an artist do it the way you do and with such oh, beauty. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big admirer of your movement work. Um, and I know you collaborate with some you know, amazing people to get there. Um, you know, because we are talking about transcendence, I, I think about dance as such a vehicle for that in, in so mm -hmm. many, pro probably you know, more in, in other countries than in, um, in America or, or, or where I come from, New Zealand. But, but even in a lot of, you know, in, in indigenous cultures in New Zealand as well, that we have kapahaka and certain kinds of dance and singing that create this, um, this space of, yeah, connection and um, even well, like ec ecstatic dance, you know, that that's a very like common thing in religious practice right is to create this sort of mm -hmm. movement that actually gets us all no but truly singing and dancing the first the first art forms you know before we had oh, instruments yeah. before we had anything it was our bodies and our voices and we used whatever we had to express ourselves and connect to something higher so truly it, it is the it is again the primordial art form just the first wow i think you're on to something with that um I actually uh, am interested in um, how era plays into um, your 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 work, your music, your even your life, because <laughs> we've talked candidly about both being perfectionists and um, you know struggling to to let go and and kind of allow for era or allow for our mm -hmm. humanity to come through. Um, it's something I really struggle with and and just genuinely curious about how you've developed practices around that because it doesn't seem to be about eliminating error or rather you know shutting people off from seeing it but you also want to maintain this um 
not purity, but is it control? Yeah, control. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the word actually. <laughs> control of your craft, because that's kind of what makes you brilliant in a way, is that you have the precision and the ability to control and and move all the pieces in a way to to make way for God. I don't even know what the question is, but I'm just like error <laughs> and transcendence. Let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, allowing for error is really, really hard. I don't know. I would like to know your perspective on it in terms of like making music, recording, you know, how does that play into you, into your work? Well, I think I've learned probably similar to you that it does seem to be a major point of connection when I expose my humanity to people, whether that's you know, on social media, which I do very rarely, but when I have, it's actually been quite overwhelming how sort of connected people are to that side of me, you know, to speak openly about um, my struggles with depression at times and anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of on stage, I find the same damn thing. If I make a mistake and I sort of openly <laughs> explain to the audience that I've made a mistake and I'd like to start the song again, mm -hmm. you get that action of leaning in which is what I'm yeah, after. Yeah, you do, don't you? You do. That's so true. I hadn't even thought about it. Maybe it's a feeling, in terms of just the audience, maybe it's a feeling like, oh, something is happening. Something true has come. Something something unplanned has arrived. Mm. Maybe that's what it is. And we're attracted that? to that. I don't know. And the left know. turn, right? The left turn yeah. in, the, in the road that you thought you were on. Ooh, the left turn. Okay, so now I'm activated and engaged. Yeah, and so I am still working out how to balance those two things because I admire the perfectionism I have. I think that it makes me able to invest great detail in the work. Um, but if I don't leave room for that stark humility and, and um, mistakes, then I lose out on a really crucial piece of the pie or piece of this experience um, mm -hmm. And I have a feeling you're similar to me when when you think about why you do this. And would it be fair to say it, it, it is about connection? Yes. Yes, it is. And, you know, you know, I'm thinking out loud in terms of like what makes us so afraid of error. And it might be I'm just speaking for myself here. It might be ego. It might be I don't want to appear bad or flawed and and this mistake and error I made is is revealing that I am I'm I'm flawed and it's it's just my ego does not like that um but I do find I do find that you know even in the recording process and in the production process ego sometimes get in gets in the way of getting to the really good stuff even if it's even if it's not error even if it's um a producer who um, because of something in their ego, really wants a song to be a certain way, even though it's actually not what's good for the song, you know. And so maybe it's our 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 being kind of um, afraid of error is is about us, about <laughs> about not wanting to show the bad dark sides of ourselves or the flawed sides of ourselves. I think sometimes it's helpful to think of myself less as a creator and more as a sort of um, uh, pipeline or a, or, a, or a vehicle 
for something greater than myself to use me to go through. Um, and maybe it's just, it's just that the great stuff only, only really comes if we get out of the way. <laughs> if, if, if we just stop, cause we as like one human being who is mortal might not know might not know like the best thing or something the something more that's out there and maybe we just have to allow ourselves to step aside and be like okay here here is my voice my unique voice that exists in me here's all my tools that i hold use all the tools i have to do whatever whatever you need <laughs> everything is dark <laughs> everything there's darkness all around and if I try to fight that dark with dark, it's just going to be dark. It's just all going to be dark. The only way I feel I'm able to fight the dark all around me is to be light. And then at least it won't all be dark. When I reflect on my conversation with Mitski, one thing that really stands out to me is this idea of remaining truthful to your own experience and taking the leap of faith to assume that you're the same as everybody else. Transcendence appears to come when we accept that we're not special. There's something deeply ordinary about all of us. I really loved when we spoke about the dream logic state, um, the freedom and consuming art not solely through the intellect, but letting it confuse you or even take you back to a primordial state of chaos, this memory we have from our very origin. And finally, we talked about the power of error and mistakes to draw us deeper into connection. So what connected with you? Please DM me on Instagram if you enjoyed something in particular. Uh, there's a message board on my website where we can share insights on this week's episode, and I'd love to hear from you. Head over to kimbramusic.com and let's build a community around the things that we're learning together. Thank you. <laughs>